Amen. Thank you, brother. And good morning to you, church. It is uh, certainly a blessing to be here with you this morning and uh, thankful for, for our great God and all that he's done. It's, I've been encouraged already. I've been encouraged already in, in the, the time we've spent already worshiping the Lord together. That was some good singing this morning, praise God, and I, I'm so, so thankful for that special as well. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing, you know, when, when you have a special that, that, that's got some good singing, you know, that's the technical aspect. And then it's got some singing in it too, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's got some heart in there. Okay, and so I appreciate that special very much as we uh, think about our Savior. What a Savior is ours. Amen. Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the book of Exodus in chapter number 32. Exodus chapter 32. The Lord has been so good to me, and it's only because of His goodness I can stand before you here this morning. Uh, the Lord uh, saved me from a, at a young age, the, the tender age of five years old. I had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home, and that is a privilege for which I am very thankful. And uh, was able to, to, to grow up, and the Lord began working in my heart about surrendering to ministry. And as many do, I said, absolutely no way, Lord. I can never stand up in front of people, and uh, I'll do anything else that you want me to do, Lord. But I will not be a preacher. Be careful what you tell the Lord you'll never do, okay? Just, just be careful about that. Take my word for it, because the second that you go and tell the Lord that you're not going to do something, <laughs> it may be that's what he's working on your heart about. And uh, he, he broke me down. You know, I, I fought him for a while, but th there's no more miserable place to be than running from God. And uh, I finally surrendered to his call for my life, and, and that is to, to serve him in preaching the gospel wherever he may open up the opportunity for me. And I'm thankful for uh, training I received at Ambassador Baptist College. Uh, Brother Childs was there, uh, taught a few classes that I was in, and um, you know, used the old overhead projector. Some of you young, uh, young people don't know what that is, but I'm telling you, it's the best way to learn, Brother Childs, you know, with, the, with, with the overhead there. And, I mean, it's, it's, it, was, it, was, it was good stuff. It was good stuff getting to, to, to learn the Word of God. And I met my wife in college. Uh, unfortunately, my family's not able to be here today, but I met my wife, Caitlin, while I was in college there, and we were married after uh, we both graduated around 2015. And the Lord's blessed us with three beautiful children, and I'm very thankful for that. And I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's few things that can show you your character flaws, like having a couple hellions, I mean a couple of angels that the Lord entrusts you with. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the privilege, the, the, really the, the privilege that it is to be a dad, but man, I got a lot to learn. And, and uh, <laughs> they tell me that it only gets worse as they get older and they become teenagers. So we, I got all sorts of growing to look forward to, amen. But I'm thankful for the, the privilege that it is to be a father. And the Lord uh, brought us up to Victory Baptist Church up in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania. And I served there, we served there as an assistant pastor for a little over five years. And the Lord taught us a lot there. Pastor Dan Moss and some of you might be familiar with him. I believe he's come and preached here uh, before. And, uh, but the Lord had always laid on my heart that evangelism was where he wanted me to be. And so January of 2021, we launched out into full-time evangelism. And uh, the Lord has provided every step of the way. And he's opened up doors for us. We traveled some with Evangelist Dwight Smith, which many of you know that name as well. And uh, then the Lord just started opening up some doors for us over the summer and the fall and some of our own meetings. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's exciting to serve God. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing. And whether, it is, whether it's in a full-time capacity or whether you work a job, we're all servants of, of the Most High God. And we all ought to be telling 
telling everybody that we meet about our wonderful Savior. And so that's a little bit about me, but let's get into the Word of God this morning because that's where the power is to change lives. In Exodus 32 this morning, I want just to read, we'll, we'll look at the whole chapter, uh, but we're just going to read the first uh, six verses or so as we introduce our thoughts for this morning. Exodus 32, the Bible says in verse number one, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. The people break off the golden earrings between their ears and brought them unto Aaron, and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After that, he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down. For thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Let's pause and ask the Lord to help us as we look into his word, shall we? Lord, we are so thankful to be able to be here this morning. Lord, we thank you that you woke us up today. You gave us another day to, to make a difference in this dying world. I pray, Lord, as we come around the Word of God, our, uh, my heart, our hearts have already been, been stirred, Lord, by the good music and the good worship this morning. But I pray, Lord, as your Word is open, that you would hide me behind the cross. Lord, I don't want to say anything that, that you wouldn't want said this morning, but I want your Spirit to speak. Lord, I don't want me to be seen. Drew Hay doesn't matter this morning, but Jesus Christ, he matters. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, Lord. Help your people to say yes to you in every area, Lord. May we not resist you today. May we not quench or grieve the Spirit today. But may we obey what you lay upon our hearts. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, for only you are worthy of all these. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was, uh, I was talking with Brother Childs, and we were talking about the assistant pastorate. He said, what is an assistant pastor anyway? Oh, it's somebody that if it needs doing, you just get it done. Amen. And uh, we had a lot of opportunities while we were up there. And I, I got a lot of skills that I did not prepare for while I was an ambassador, Brother Childs. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was not prepared adequately for, for the assistant pastorate. When I got up there, I thought, man, I'm going to be preaching and I'm going to be changing lives. and I'm going to be making it happen. And it's going to be amazing. And we did do some of those things. But we also put in some toilets. Amen. Okay, we also <laughs> fixed the gutters when they were leaking in the middle of the rainstorm. Uh, okay, there, there's some, there's some, there's, I mean, I got some electrical skills, I got some plumbing skills, I got some carpentry skills, all kinds of things that I didn't have before <laughs> hopping into the ministry. But it's a wonderful thing to be able to serve the Lord, and, and, and I like the variety, you know, and every day is just a little bit different, and I, and I, and I enjoy that very much. But one of the things that I got to, to be heavily involved with while I was an assistant pastor up in Pennsylvania was the soul winning ministry. And I, we sought to every week try to go out and, and spread the gospel in one way or another. We had Saturday soul winning. We did outreach Sunday. We did a lot of different things. Uh, but it, we would try to get out and try to rub shoulders with people and try to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all that would listen. 
The area that we were in, there were a lot of folks uh, from India or Pakistan and that area of the world, and they would come over and, 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 and get these, these you know, tech jobs usually, and, and they, they kind of had it figured out. They'd get these big, fancy houses, and they move like three or four family units into this house. And so the mama's in there, and the daddy's in there, and the, the cousins are in there, and the uncle's in there, and they're all just, they're all, they, all their incomes together, they were able to afford these, these beautiful homes. And a lot of times we would be out knocking on doors in different neighborhoods and you come across a lot of these people. And when you shared the gospel with them, you had to be careful because in their culture, in, in, in their religion, really, which many of them were Hindus, they operated on good karma and bad karma. I got to do enough good karma to outweigh my bad karma. I got to, you know, and then I'll come back as something better. Or I got to, you know, I got to do a bunch of good. And so they, they would be very kind. They'd be very courteous to you. And, and they would listen to you often. Sometimes they would even pray a prayer just to, to kind of please you or to, you know, do a good deed for you. And maybe they just take Jesus and kind of stack them on top of the stack with their thousands of other gods that, that are worshipped in Hinduism. And so we had to be very clear and tell them, listen, no, no, Jesus, he's not a God no, no, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but through him. Jesus is the only way. We had to be careful as we shared the gospel with these folks that, that we were very clear about that. But we got to know many of them in the different neighborhoods that, that we were in. And, and I remember one particular day we went out and we decided that we were going to go and visit a family that we had visited several times before, but just try to encourage them. And uh, we believed that perhaps the wife had trusted Christ, but the husband was still kind of resisting. And so we said, you know, maybe we'll go and, and, and you know, it's a beautiful day and we'll go and see if we can talk to these folks. And so Pastor and I, we went and Pastor Mawson and I, we went to, to, to these folks' house and we knocked on the door and uh, they said, oh, it's good to see you, invited us in, and we got to talking a little bit, and uh, they started telling us that it was, it was during the time of one of their Hindu festivals, and uh, the, the, this, there was a special celebration wherein they would, they would worship their God. He's like, yeah, we got it all set up in the basement, and, 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 and this is where we're, you know, we're gonna, how we have our, our family and friends from the neighborhood, they come over, and, and we all worship this God together, and then they said, would you like to see it? We said, Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like learning. I like, you know, knowing about how, how different things work. And, and so we went down into the basement there of their house. And it was a nice finished basement. But there in the basement, there was nothing in the room. It was a big open room. There was nothing in the room except for at the far end of the room, there was this shrine that was set up to this idol. And the shrine was kind of built up. It had some steps going up to it and a, and a beautiful arbor around it with flowers and lights and all, all sorts of things decorating it. And then all around the shrine on the floor were paper plates. And on these paper plates were all sorts of fruit and, and, and nuts and all sorts of, 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 of different foods that they had on the floor around their little idol. In fact, the man said to, to, to Pastor and I, he's like, oh, yes, out of God, he likes the fruits and the nuts. So, and, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, you said it and not me, buddy. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But this is what he said. And, and really, as you, as you looked at this, this idol, it, it, was, it, was, it was kind of scary looking, to be honest with you. It had, it had many appendages coming out of it. And I think it had kind of like an elephant head to it. And it just, it was, it was, it was just, it was, it was kind of unnerving. But I remember leaving that visit that day and a kind of a sadness settled over me because these people were believing that worshiping this hunk of metal and wood or whatever it was was going to somehow get them favor. 
They thought that somehow getting all their friends and family together and bowing down to this shrine that they had made with their own two hands and eating this food off of these paper plates was somehow going to do something for their soul and for their eternity and for or their reincarnation, whatever it might be. And they prayed to a God that they had created, prayed to a God that could not hear they could not see. They could not do a thing for him. And I'm telling you, even though I was a bit sad as I thought of their, the, their situation, I was glad that I serve a living Savior. And he's in the world today. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. I don't have to, to, to set up a little shrine for him. I don't have to make some food for him. In fact, he provides for my needs. And if I have anything that I need, I can go to him. And he said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Amen. I'm so glad that we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And let me tell you something before we even get into the message this morning. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you've never experienced sins forgiven, if you don't know anything about the peace that passeth all understanding, if you've never had joy unspeakable and full of glory, let me tell you something, it's available for you this morning. Jesus loves you. And we just got through the, the, the holiday of Christmas where we celebrate when he came down to this earth. But it, even though it's a beautiful, um, you know, beautiful manger scene, if you will, a beautiful nativity that we see set up, the fact of the matter is that baby was born to die. He came down to this earth to live a perfect and sinless life and to be hung on a cross as your substitute, to take upon him the punishment for sins that you and I rightfully deserved. And he offers eternal life full and free to any who will call upon his name. If you don't know Jesus this morning, oh, let me tell you, there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he can be your friend. He can be your savior today. <clears throat> but as I thought of that, I thought of how idolatry is still, even in America, still alive and well. Other parts of the world, it's a, it's a lot more pronounced, perhaps. It's a lot more widespread. But in America, you, maybe you don't see it as much. You say, well, Brother Drew, I mean, really, if, if, if I'm honest, I, I don't really have a shrine set up in my basement. I don't bow down to any block of wood, Brother Drew. Idolatry, it really, isn't, it really is not a problem in my life. And there was a time where I, 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 I kind of thought that way. Well, you know, the Bible talks a lot about idolatry. It talks about fleeing from idolatry. And it talks about how idolatry took down the nation of Israel time and time and time again. I mean, God would do amazing things for them. Look at the book of Judges. God would deliver them. God would, would, would bless them. And then they would turn away from God and turn to a dumb idol. And I just, I, I mean, the Bible talks about it a lot, but that's not really something that maybe applies to me too much. But let me tell you something this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Christian child of God, idolatry is still very much alive and well. Idolatry is still very much one of our greatest problems, even in our good Baptist churches. Even in our good Baptist churches. And perhaps we're not bowing down to a literal figurine made out of wood or made out of metal or whatever it might be, but let me tell you something. Anything that takes place of Jesus Christ on the throne of our hearts is an idol. And idolatry is wickedness before Almighty God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no denying it. There, there's no whitewashing it. Idolatry is wicked and God hates it. And if we're to have a good 2023 and accomplish anything for Almighty God, we got to get rid of the idols. And so this morning I want to preach to you a message I've entitled 21st Century Idols. 21st Century Idols. 
I want to give you this definition this morning for idolatry. Idolatry can be defined as extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. When I think of an idol, I think of anything or person. It could be a person. A per- any person or thing in your life that consumes more of your time, reverence, or energy than God Almighty. Maybe you can you come up with a different definition, but there's my definition for you. Any person or thing in your life that consumes more of your time, reverence, or energy than God Almighty is an idol. Anything that steals away from God His rightful place as number one in our lives is an idol and must be removed. But as we look at idolatry this morning, I want you to notice, first of all, the conditions of idolatry. And we won't spend too much time here because there's a lot of conditions for idolatry. There's a lot of reasons why we can be tempted to go down the wrong path. But let's look at verse number one and see what Israel was thinking. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves into Aaron. We see here in verse number one that Moses delayed. God had called him up there to the top of the mountain. He was going to give him the Ten Commandments. He was communing with Moses. And here are the children of Israel sitting here at the bottom of this mountain. And I mean, there's clouds and there's thunder and there's lightning. And and I, I don't know what's going on up there. But day after day goes by and no sign of Moses. Another day goes by and no sign of Moses. Another day goes by and, and we have no idea what's happened to Moses. And all of a sudden we see them go to Aaron with this terrible request. I think there's a lot of conditions to, to our idolatry. You know, and we can read a lot of things into this passage. But one, the first thing I've seen first and foremost is they had some unmet expectations. They had some unmet expectations. They were expecting Moses to go up to that mountain, maybe, you know, for a day or for a week perhaps, and get, get with God and get what, they, what he needed to get and come back down. And Moses didn't come down when they thought that he should. The audacity of the man of God to not do what I thought he should do. And we see them begin, begin to be tempted by idols. But let me tell you something. Before we look at Israel with an accusing glance, perhaps we ought to look within. I'm telling you, when we have some unmet expectations, I expected God to do this. I expected my circumstances to turn out like this. I prayed about this situation, and still it seems like nothing's happening. Beware. Because the devil's going to try to come in and convince you that, oh, maybe there's something else you ought to be focusing on. Oh, maybe there's something else that you ought to be worshiping instead of God Almighty. Maybe maybe I'll give you a little idol over here to get you through your tough times there. And I'm telling you, we're in a world, a world of danger when we start to believe the lie that, you know what? I deserve this. You know what? It has been a little bit tough for me lately. You know, I've been a little stressed out at work. You know, I got these kids. You know, I can't even have five minutes of peace and quiet and these kids are all over me. You know, I deserve my little idol over here. We see here that they had some unmet expectations. And misguided emotions can often lead to foolish choices. But what ought our expectation to be? David said it this way in Psalm 62, verse 5 through 8. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. 
He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust ye in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge to us. Selah. Let me tell you something. When, when it seems like things are darkest, that's not the time to turn away from Jesus. That's not the time to start looking for something else to follow. That's not the time to start looking for something else to meet those deep needs in your heart because only Jesus can do that. And don't be tempted when things don't turn out the way that you thought they should to turn to an idol. Number two, we see the cost of idolatry. The cost of idolatry. Look, look, at, what, look at what happens here. This, this, this is amazing to me. First one, the, the people are saying, Moses is gone. I don't know where Moses is. He's delayed coming out of the mount. Aaron, make us a God. Make us an idol. And before we go to the cost, can, can, can I notice, can, can, I, can I draw your attention to the fact that the, the children of Israel are wanting to make gods just like the ones that they saw back in Egypt that, that their oppressors had made. That's the way the Egyptians worshipped. And, and, and Israel so quickly forgot all that God had done over there in Egypt. Yeah, so quickly. And maybe this is another condition of idolatry. is forgetfulness this morning. Amnesia. <laughs> Forgetting that we have a good God and we don't need anything else. They had forgotten about how God had sent ten plagues upon the Egyptians and broken down each and every one of their gods one by one. They had forgotten how God had brought them out of Egypt with a high hand. I mean, the Egyptians didn't just send them out and said, have a good trip. They said, here, take our stuff, take our gold, take our, I mean, just, just get out of here. Anything that you need, you got it. God sent them out rich. God got them out of Egypt and he sent them out rich, okay? They had forgotten about how they got to the Red Sea. And there's water in front of them. And there's a mountain range over here. And all of a sudden, they turn around, and what's behind them? The Egyptian army. Pharaoh woke up one day and said, you know what? My pyramids aren't getting any taller. Oh, yeah, we, left all our, we, we let all our workers leave. Go get them back. What, what was I thinking? They forgot about how Moses lifted up that rod, and that Red Sea went, and they didn't walk across on squishy ground, okay? <laughs> the Bible says they walked across on dry land. Dry land, that's a, that's a miracle right there. And if that wasn't enough, God had put the, uh, brought, the, brought the pillar to, 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 to keep the Egyptians away until just the right time. And then he lifts that pillar up and here come the Egyptians after him into the sea. Oh, they got through. I'm surely we're going to get through. And as they're standing there on the bank, they watch God drop all that water on top of their enemies. And yet, after all that, they said, Aaron, maybe we need an idol. Maybe we need an idol to go before us. Maybe it was an idol that brought us out of Egypt. <laughs> but look at verse 2. He says, we consider the cost of idolatry. Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them to me. And the people break off the golden earrings that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. We don't, do you see any hesitation between verse 2 and 3? Do you realize what Aaron had just asked these people? I want you to give me all of your jewelry. 
all of your gold, bring it to me. Now, I mean, some of it probably was the Egyptians' gold that they had just gotten, but maybe there were some family heirlooms in there. But we don't see the people saying, oh, man, the family heirloom. I mean, this stuff's really precious. It's really, oh, it costs a lot. Do we really want to do this? Guys, maybe we should just wait a couple more days. We don't see any deliberations like that at all. The Bible says, and the people said, all right, Aaron. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> oh, let me, let me get the jewelry box from home. Oh, here you go, Aaron. Here you go. Make us a God. I want you to notice this morning, I want you to pay attention that the children of Israel were very willing to pay any cost to have some idols. They were willing to pay the cost. I think of the prophet Jonah. He said he wanted to run from God. The Bible says that he ran in the opposite direction. He found a ship going to Tarshish. And what did he do? He paid the fare thereof. Jonah said, how much does the boat cost? Doesn't matter. I got to get away from God. Let me tell you something. When you stop worshiping God, once once you remove God from number one uh, where he belongs, once you remove God from the throne of your life, all of a sudden, if 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 you allow me to say it this way, all of a sudden you start getting real stupid. You start making some real dumb decisions. And they, (laughs) sure, take our gold, Aaron. Make us an idol. We want an idol. What are you willing to pay? What are you willing to pay to worship your idol? Some Christians, they say, you know, God's protection, it's kind of nice, but I'd rather have an idol. Yeah, he can have it. God's provision, whew, man, he's taken care of me in the past. Whew, I could tell you stories, Brother Drew, but I found this new idol. What are we willing to pay? If any of you are familiar with the, the NFL, I hate to use NFL illustrations, but it's, it's a good illustration, all right? One of the greatest quarterbacks, which is kind of the guy that throws the ball for all of you non-NFL people, okay? The, the guy who throws the ball, okay. One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game is a man by the name of Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, after not this season, but the previous season, Tom Brady decided, you know what? I think I'm going to retire. This man has won seven Super Bowls. I mean, quite the resume. He'd been playing in the league for like 20 years or something like that. He was in his 40s. Okay, that's, that's really old for a football player. Okay, I want, I want to qualify that. Okay, it's not, it's, not, it's not old. That's just old for a football player. Okay, <laughs> it's really old for a football player. He said, you know what, I'm going to hang up the cleats, I'm going to call it a season, I'm going to call it a career, and I'm going to retire. All of a sudden, the very last touchdown that he threw, that ball became worth a lot of money. And when he had thrown that ball, what they, the people playing in the game, they didn't realize that that was going to be the last touchdown that Tom Brady ever threw. So he throws the ball to his receiver. The receiver runs to the end zone and scores, woo, and then takes the ball and throws it up in the stands. And a very fortunate fan caught that football. Whoa. All of a sudden, the news comes out that Tom Brady is retiring, and that fan realizes, oh, man, this is the last touchdown that Tom Brady threw. This ball is probably worth some money now. 
And so he decided to put it up for auction. And the bidding got heated, the bidding got fierce, and the ball finally sold for $518,000. Half a million dollars for a football. I mean, maybe, I don't know how much it costs to make a football, but 10 bucks maybe? Somebody said, half a million? Yeah, I'll pay that for that football. And I'm going to take it, and I'm going to put it on my wall. I'm just going to look at it. And I'm going to pay half a million dollars to look at that football. Oh, man, this is going to be great. Forty days, if, if you, again, if you're familiar with the NFL, 40 days after Tom Brady makes the announcement, I am retiring. Forty days later, you know what he does? He says, you know what? Life at home is a little stressful, so I'm on retiring. I'm coming out of retirement. I'm going to play some more football. All of a sudden, uh, that's not going to be the last touchdown throw that Tom Brady throws. This collector, I don't know what his name is, but I'm sure he's freaking out. He gets all of his lawyers because, you know, he's, he, if he can drop half a million dollars on a football, he's got a team of lawyers. Gets all his lawyers on it, and they reverse the sale. You know, all oh, the ball is not as, as originally advertised anymore because Tom Brady's going to all the mumbo-jumbo, you know. But they get the sale reversed. But the point I want to make to you this morning is this man was willing to pay half a million dollars for a football because he probably had an idol in his life. I'm, I'm just going to guess, perhaps. Or at least some, some, <laughs> some, some, uh, some priorities that were a little bad, out of whack, if you will. But he was willing to pay $500 million for a football. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 30? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You serve Jesus, I'm telling you, it's the best decision you can ever make. But once you decide to let an idol in there, all of a sudden here comes trouble. All of a sudden, here comes, here comes problems. And idols will demand more and more from you the longer you keep them around. Their cost doesn't go down, they just go up. What are you willing to pay? There's no price worth paying and losing the presence and the power and the provision and the protection of God Almighty in your life. Number three, though, I want you to see the corruption of idolatry. The corruption of idolatry. We saw the, the conditions. They, they, they were forgetful. They had unmet expectations that caused them to stray. We see the cost that they were willing to pay. But now look at the corruption, if you would. Verse number four, the Bible says, Aaron, talking about Aaron there with the he, he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After that, he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Verse number five, And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now hang on a second. If, if, if you look there in your Bible, you see that Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's Jehovah. That, that, that's Almighty God right there that Aaron proclaims a feast. And I want you to notice how quickly the deception sets in. How quickly it sets in. Israel decides, I'm going to worship a false god. I'm going to worship this golden calf, but we're going to have a feast to the Lord. 
oh yeah, 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 we're, we're, we're worshiping the Lord. We're, oh yeah, tomorrow's a big feast. <clears throat> it's a big feast to the Lord, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we got our suit coats on, and I mean, we're, we're worshiping the Lord. Verse number six, it shows you here who they were really worshiping. They rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. Real religious. I mean, just notice how religious they're looking right now. I mean, really, looking good so far, Israel. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play, the Bible says. Now, I do not believe that this sit down to eat and to drink was a church potluck, okay? Because I, I, one of the Baptist distinctives is food. I, I don't know how it works into the acrostic there, Brother Childs, but I, I know it's in there somewhere, okay? Food. We like food. I, I had some of those donuts this morning, okay, the little ones. I'm telling you. Stumbling block right there, okay? So, I, 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 this is the beginning of 2023. We got, we got goals. You can't be bringing donuts like that into God's house, okay? But anyway, this wasn't, this wasn't just a little potluck they were having right here. This became a gluttonous, self-indulgent party for their flesh is what this turned into. And we know that because of that last word there, the Bible says, they rose up to play. This isn't talking about church volleyball, <laughs> It's talking about immorality. Wickedness before God as part of their worship. That's what's dangerous about this right here. They, they thought they were worshiping God. Later on in the passage, verse 20, I believe it is, the Bible, the Bible says, Moses saw that the people were naked. This was not a good thing that was happening right here, ladies and gentlemen. And no sooner did an idol get in that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, their, their, their worship is all messed up. All of a sudden, they're in front of their children committing immorality and being naked and sensual and dancing around. This was God's people. <laughs> Not me, Brother Drew. <laughs> I can handle my idol. I, 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 yeah, yeah, I love God, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm here on Sunday, am I not? Uh, it's not going to corrupt me. It's just a hobby. It's just something I need to relax. It's, it's not going to mess me up. Idolatry always corrupts. Mark it down. Every time. You could take a perfectly good and peaceful situation and inject a little sin in there and pff, the whole thing blows up. In record time. Every time, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to notice that their morals changed. It became a gluttonous flesh party. And this is, this, here became the doctrine of this, of this worship, of this, of this church right here, if you will. Here became the doctrine of this, of this feast before the Lord. If it feels good, it must be pleasing to the Lord. And the devil's still using that line today. Oh, how can it be bad if it makes you feel good? How can, how can it be bad if it, if it, if it takes, takes away some of your stress? Listen, as Christians today, we are not governed by how we feel. We are governed by what this says. Doesn't matter how you feel. Oh, you're hurting my feelings, Brother Drew. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This, this isn't me. <laughs> The Bible says, oh, okay, the world says, oh, follow your heart. Won't you follow your heart? 
Oh, your heart won't lead you astray. Just, just follow your heart. Oh, you, your heart will lead you to the person of your dreams. Oh, your heart will lead you to the, to the life of your dreams. The Bible says your heart is desperately wicked and deceitful, and who can know it? You can't trust yourself. But you can trust what God says. And the corruption was evident. Their morals changed. But I want, I'm not preaching a message on music this morning, but I want to just point this out because this is amazing to me. Look at verse 17 and 18. Their morals changed, but their music changed. Look at verse 17. And jo when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Verse 18. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. Now, now God had, has, had, had, you know, special musicians who would play during, during times where, they, where Israel would worship. And they, they had people that that was their job, was to play and to lead in the, the music and in the worship of God in the congregation. I love music. Music's a powerful thing. But all of a sudden, an idol gets in there and the music from this party is wafting up the mountainside. And Joshua hears the sound. And you know what his first thought was? We're under attack, Moses. <laughs> We're getting attacked down there. There's a noise of war in the camp. The music changed real quick. <laughs> Moses said, no, listen closer. It's not, it's not the war drums. That's people... There's people singing and partying that I hear. Can I, just, can I just, I'll leave you with this right here. God's music, it uplifts and it encourages and it points people to him. Amen. That's what God's music does. In a broad, we'll, we'll use in, broad, broad, in a broad sense here. The devil's music, you know what the devil's music does? It's loud, it's angry, it's confusing, and it causes people to turn to their lusts. It's just, it's, just, it's just a good, easy test right there. Is this, is this pleasing to the Lord? Is this making me think bigger and better things about God and, and turning my gaze upon Him and my focus on Him? Or is this, uh, you know, ooh, pleasing the flesh a little bit over here? I, I'm, I'm kind of liking this. The corruption of idolatry. It's never just an innocent little idol. It's never, oh, you know, it's just not a big deal. It corrupts. I want you to see number four, the consequences of idolatry. The consequences of idolatry. And we're going to skip forward in the story a little bit. But I want you to notice that the bill always comes due. Listen to me, young people. You can mess around right now. You can do stuff behind your parents' back. You can live for yourself. You can sneak around and be deceitful and, de and deceptive and, and think, oh man, I'm having a good time and I'm getting away with it. But the bill always comes due. And there might be a time where you grow up and you wish you could go back and change it. You wish you could go back and, and remove those memories from your mind. You wish you could go back and make a different decision. But by then it'll be too late. It's time to turn to God now. Amen. In the days of your youth. Amen. Remember, Lord. But the consequences come as they always do. 
I want you to notice three consequences that, that I see here in this passage just briefly. Verse number 26 and 27, the Bible says, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And the implied there is that everybody else didn't. I want you to notice, first of all, that the consequence of idolatry is division. It's division. The devil loves to divide. He won't, he's not just looking to destroy, although that's his end game, but he realizes that before I can destroy Canaan Baptist Church, I got to divide it. I got to get people fussing at each other. I got to get people fighting each other. I got to get people worried about a bunch of nonsense and offended about a bunch of nonsense in order to get to take them down. I got to divide them. In Psalm 133 and verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Ephesians 4 and verse 3, the Bible reminds us that we must endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And I wonder this morning, I wonder how many relationships might be mended if we just cast down some idols. Because idolatry, it, it fractures relationships. Idolatry gets our focus off of Jesus and it gets our focus on ourselves and my rights and my offenses and what happened to me and how this is not fair and that's not fair and, 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 and my needs and me, me, me. No, 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 that's the wrong focus. What allows a church to be unified? I mean, we're all different. We got different backgrounds. We have different upbringings. We have different likes and dislikes. What allows a church to be unified when it's full of very different, and I'll use a nice Bible word here, peculiar people? <laughs> it's about who we're following. That's what keeps us unified. If we're all having our eyes fixed on Jesus and following after him, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, the songwriter said. And I wonder how many relationships could be restored. How many fractured relationships could be restored. I'm gonna, how many broken churches could be restored. I wonder how much, how much we could accomplish for the work of the Lord if, if we could be unified. If we could stop worshiping our little idols and, and caring more about our little comforts and caring more about our little things and, and just put our eyes on Jesus. We see division, but we also see disease in verse 35. The Bible says the Lord plagued the people. Because of the calf which Aaron made. Now, not every disease is God's judgment. I want to go on record and say that. Not every disease is God's judgment. Just because we have calamity, just because we have uh, problems and infirmities in our body, doesn't mean that God is judging us. It just reminds us that we live in a sin-cursed earth, and it makes heaven just a little sweeter. Just a little sweeter when all tears will be wiped away. There'll be no more creaky backs and no more achy joints, and what a day that'll be. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes God has to turn up the heat, if you will, to get our attention. Sometimes God's got to lay somebody flat on a hospital bed where all they can look up, all they can do is look up to him to get their attention. Sometimes God's got to put somebody in the four walls of a prison cell to get their attention. And what I'm here to beg you today is, will you heed the Lord? before he has to turn up the pressure? Amen. Will you heed the Lord before the consequences have to get more severe to get your attention? I wonder 
And again, I tread lightly here, but I wonder if some of the mental health crisis in our nation today that is fast exploding is because people are trying to find anything other than God to stuff in that hole in their heart. Oh, I got to have some this and I got to have that. And I guess I have some drugs and I got to have some social media and I I got to anything to take away the pain, anything to dull the pain just for a little while. And only Jesus can do that. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And finally, we see death as we look at the the consequences of idolatry. We see death in verse number 28. The children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. Moses had told them in verse 27 to put every man's sword on his side and go in and, and slay every man his brother. A terrible thing. But verse 28, the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. 3,000 that passed away, that perished because of an idol. It's alarming to me how often in the Word of God, false gods and idols are associated with death. And if I can say it this way, too, how, how they go after children, too. If you've ever done any study on Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, you think of the story of Ruth. Ruth was from Moab. Chemosh was a god that they, they, had, they, they had made a, a great idol, a great furnace that was Chemosh. And he had a face and then he had arms that were outstretched. And what they would do is they would get fire and they would get wood and they would stoke a big fire in the back of Chemosh there in the furnace part of him, if you will. And he would turn red hot. Those arms would burn red hot. And then the Moabites would take their children, their babies, and they would place them on those flaming hot arms of Chemosh and sacrifice their babies to this false god. Wicked. We would all look at that and say, that's wicked and that's despicable and God ought to judge that. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. When we mess around with false gods, listen to me now. When we mess around with false gods, there are little eyes watching us. When we say, oh, I love God, and yet uh, our life determines and, and demonstrates that we love something more than God, they figure that out pretty quick. And I go in a lot of churches, and there's a whole generation missing. And I wonder if it's because idolatry has taken hold. And they said, that's not real. You say one thing and you do another thing. I'm out of here. I'm going to go find something real. The devil realizes the younger I can get them, the better off of a chance I have to mess them up. We cannot afford to hold on to our idols for another day, ladies and gentlemen. We can't afford it. Personally, our families can't afford us to have idols in the closet, to have idols that we hold, that we carry around with us. Our children, the next generation cannot afford for us to, to to be going after something other than God with all of our heart and mind, soul and spirit. Oh, there's consequences. But I want to leave you with some hope this morning. And we see number five, the conquering of idolatry. The conquering of idolatry. Idolatry can be beaten. Even in a world where everybody's got an idol to show you, everybody's got an idol that they're chasing after. And idols can be any number of things. Some have made their career their idol. 
And they work and work and work. And yes, the Bible says that we ought to work hard and we ought to provide for our families. But let me tell you something. If you're at work so often that you don't even get to invest in your family, you don't even get to see your family, perhaps something's a little bit out of balance. Can I tell you one of the, <laughs> I was saying one of the biggest idols, but one of the smallest idols that many carry around with them all the time? Yep. Here it is. Every time we sit down, we pull it out. Every time we turn around, we pull it out. Every time there's even a half a second of something not going on, oh, there's, there's, it's quiet. Oh, let me pull my phone out. How are we supposed to be still and know that he is God when we can't put down our phone? I'm, I'm getting a medal in this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it grieves my heart. I grieves my heart as I look at my own addiction to some of these things. I say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Now, how do we conquer idolatry this morning? Number one, we have to realize that we've created one. <laughs> You're not going to conquer your idols. Until you realize that you got one. Until you call it what God calls it. Look at what Moses called the idol here in verse number 30. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin. And now will I go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. Moses didn't say, you know what guys, perhaps you have some bad habits that need adjusting. Oh, perhaps you've just gotten your focus a little off. Oh, perhaps you've just been spending... No, no, he said, you have sinned a great sin. And that is what our realization needs to be as God brings idols to our minds and our hearts. God, I have sinned a great sin against you by trying to replace you with something else, by allowing something else to worm its way into my heart and choke you out. I want to give you some questions this morning. I'm just going to rattle these off to you. These aren't necessarily right out of the Bible, but these are just some practical things that might help you determine, do I have an idol that I found that have helped me in my life? Here's one. What's the first thing you do in the morning? Now, I wear contact lenses because I am as blind as a bat. I cannot see. I can't, I can't drive without, without glasses or contacts. I'm, I'm, so i got to get those in or I'm, I'm not going to be able to see my Bible. Okay? There's, there's some things like that I understand. we got to get those things taken care of. But where do we go in the morning? What, what are we doing in the morning? What's, our, what's the first thing that we're doing? Where's the first place that we're going? I, I hope it's to God and his word. I hope it's to spend time with the one who, who took the time to not only create us and save us and sanctify us and call us with a holy calling, but also wrote us a whole love letter to read each and every day. But again, sometimes, well, let's see what kind of notifications I got this morning. Sometimes that's where we are in the morning. Where do you go first thing in the morning? Where, where, what are you doing? How about this one? Where do you turn to when you're feeling stressed? When the pressures of life are coming? Oh, the world will give you a million things to turn to. Oh, you, you need this alcohol right here. You just, you just need to forget it. You just need to numb it a little bit. Do a little numbing. Oh, you, you, you just need this, this substance over here. You need this over here. You need that over here. But where do you turn? Amen. How do you spend your downtime? 
Again, listen, we, we need time to relax. We need time to, <laughs> to, to, to be down, if you will. But you know what I find? Sometimes in our downtime, we're filling our minds with all sorts of news and all sorts of stuff on the television set, and we're, we're filling our minds with this, and we're filling our minds with that, and instead of using our downtime to be still and to get our peace back, we're using our downtime to fill ourselves with more stress. How do you use your downtime? What gets you excited? What gets you excited? That's a good indication about what's important to you. I'm thankful for a church where you can hear some amens. I'm, I'm, I'm from the Northeast, okay? I was born in Massachusetts. You know, we, we, only the church mice amen up there, okay? <laughs> but I'm glad that we got some excitement in, in the building here this morning. But sometimes we can get excited about the sports game. We get excited about uh, some, some celebrity. We can get excited about this event over here. We can get excited about this thing that we're doing over here. But, but, but when it comes to, oh, I've got to go to church again. Oh, man, I've got to read this Bible again. Oh, I've got to get my 10 minutes of prayer in because I made a New Year's resolution again. Whew. Finally, what, what topics do your conversation center around? Again, just indications. Ask yourself these things. What's important to me? What's on the throne of my life? What's got my attention? David said it this way in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Realize you've created an idol. But number two, we must refuse to make excuses. Refuse to make excuses. And I'm coming to a close here, but look, look, look at this nonsense here in the Word of God, if you would. And starting in verse number 21. I mean, this, 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 just, this just blows my mind every time I read it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Can, can, I, can I put that in modern vernacular a little bit? Aaron, did they hold a gun to your head or something? What did they do to you? They twist your arm real bad? Like, what did they do to you to make you think that this was a good idea, buddy? Look at verse 22. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Oh, Moses, well, calm down a little bit, man. Why are you getting so upset? Why are you getting so angry? Can, can I put it this way? Moses, it's really not that big of a deal. There's excuse number one for you. It's just not that big of a deal. Division, disease, death. Not much. It's not. Turning away from God is. It's just not big. Why? Just, just calm down, Moses. Why are you getting so upset? It's not that big of a deal. Then look what he says. Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people, <laughs> that they are set to mischief. I mean, Moses, you've been leading these people. You know what they're like. <laughs> you know that they're, you turn around for one second and there they go again, Moses. Can, can, can I put it another way? It's just the way things are. I mean, every Christian I know has got an idol. Every, every, everybody I know, they, you know they're, they're fine with, with, with watching this filth. Everybody I know, they, I mean, they're, they're fine just, you know, skipping their devotions. 
Uh, everybody I know, they're, you know, they're, they're fine not being you know, too serious for God. You know, we don't, we don't want to be too crazy and fanatical. You know, people might think we're weird. I got news for you. We're all weird. Embrace it. <laughs> Embrace the weirdness. <laughs> we got some Secret Service Christians, don't we? Uh, we uh, uh, you know, undercover Christians. How about that? Uh, we, we don't want anybody to know that, that, that we love Jesus, so we're going to dress just like him, and we're going to act just like him, and we're just going to you know, keep it all on the down low, you know, that we, that we love the Lord. <laughs> Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. <laughs> a, city, a city that is set up on a hill cannot be hid, he said. It's not just the way that things are. And maybe it is the way that things are, but you ought to be different than the way that things are. Yeah, <laughs> Again, you know, everybody's mom, if you're, all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off too? <laughs> <laughs> if everybody else is worshiping the idols, does that mean you should too? And I'm convinced that revival will happen when we say, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm done with this, and I'm done with that, and I'm following him. Amen. Then look at this third excuse that he <laughs> Man, I love this one. Oh, man. Okay, verse number 23. Aaron's talking to Moses. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire. And I, 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 Brother Childs, I know we're not supposed to add to the word of God, but I'm just going to put one little word in here for emphasis, okay? Okay. They, they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and poof, there came out this calf. <laughs> you should have seen it, Moses. I threw the gold in, and it almost hit me. It came out so fast. You know the excuse that he's trying to make right here? Oh, I just can't, I can't control it. It just happened. I, I can't stop. I, I gotta have, I, I'm, in, I'm not in control. <laughs> we can't make that excuse. Amen. You are in charge of what you do. That's not popular, I know. I know it's not popular. Oh, it's my past trauma that made me do it. Oh, it's my upbringing that made me do it. Oh, it's somebody else. That made... No, no, no. It's, it's, it, we're, we're not going to get right with God until we first stop making excuses and say, you know what, it's me. Amen. It's me that needs help, God. It's not them that needs help, it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Refuse to make excuses. Number three, we need to reject their control. Reject their control. The longer an idol stays in your life, the more you will become attached to it and the harder it will be to let it go. We got to get to a point where we say, you know what, I got an idol and I'm not making excuses anymore and I don't want it controlling me anymore. I want to be under the control of Almighty God. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, the Bible says in Ephesians, but be filled with the Spirit. And you can put anything you want in that blank. Be not controlled by whatever, but be filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit, there's not a whole lot of room for anything else. 
Finally, number four, remove them completely. Remove them completely. Look at verse 20, and we're wrapping up here. The Bible says, and he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire. Good job, Moses. You got it. Oh, wait, I'm not done, though. And ground it to powder. All right, Moses. Hey, it's gone now. It's not coming back. No, I'm not done. And strawed it upon the water. Okay, it's really gone. No, I'm not done. And made the children of Israel drink of it. <laughs> Moses said, hey, it might have poof come out of the furnace, but it's not going to go poof anywhere else. We're getting rid of this idol completely. And sometimes we don't have victory over the idols in our lives because we keep them tucked away just in case we might need to pull them out again. We keep them tucked away for a rainy day. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting right with God. I'm coming to the altar, Brother Drew. I'm getting right. But maybe there's some things you've got to go home and throw out. I don't know, we live in such a digital world, there's some things you've got to delete. <laughs> there's some stuff you have to unsubscribe to. Amen. Moses did not leave the calf intact. He realized that if Israel was to get back on track, the idol had to go. And it's about time that we as Christians got radical about destroying our idols. We don't need a backup God unless Jesus doesn't come through, in case Jesus doesn't work out, because he never fails. I'm allergic to dogs. It's a cross that I must bear. I know many of you dog people out there, you just, you, you feel bad for me. And I must say that my life is a whole lot better because I don't have to pick dog hair out of my suit. I don't have to clean up the, the, the schlobber and, and all the mess. And, and okay, okay, I'll stop picking on your dogs. But anywho, I'm allergic to dogs. I also live most of the year in a 30-foot Fifth wheel travel trailer. Fun times when you got three kids. Fun times. There's nowhere to go. There's, 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 anyway. <laughs> How foolish would it be for me to go to the, the pound or whatever and to pick out the biggest, fluffiest dog and to bring it in the trailer? I'd be coming up here to preach. Take your Bibles and it'd be a disaster. See, Brother Drew, why do you have that thing in your trailer? Sorry, that, that sweet, sweet, furry bundle of joy in your trailer when it's killing you? Why do we hold on to them? When they're sucking the spiritual life right out of us. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 14. I close with these two verses. Wherefore, my, beloved, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. 1 John 5 and verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Yes. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Ugh. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, I didn't, I tried not to get too specific with the idols today, Lord, because I believe that, I try to name all the idols, I'm going to miss somebody's, Lord, but I believe that your Holy Spirit can reach down into our hearts this morning. 
and can deal with our hearts. Show us needs that we have. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't hold on any longer if there's an idol that's squeezing the spiritual life out of us, whether it be a career, whether it be a a relationship, whether it be a, a habit, whatever it might be, Lord, help us as your people to do business with you this morning.